I was in Zambia previously for two years as a missionary associate, um, but had stepped up to the plate uh, for that full-time appointment. And I'm going to try to adjust this so I'm not, like, breathing in your ears. Okay, let's see if that's better. And um, you guys have been a part of what God's doing in Zambia. Uh, So what I share this morning, just remember, this is what you guys have been involved in. And uh, I, like I tell the church over there, I said, number one, I represent our Lord Jesus Christ. But number two, I represent all the people and all the churches that are behind me, sending me forth um, to bring uh, this ministry to you. So thank you, thank you for your faithfulness over this last term and look forward to sharing what God's been doing. And I'll keep trying to adjust this. And if you guys have tips, let me know. A little more. Is that better? Ah, yeah. So if you'll go to the next slide, let me just remind you where Zambia is located. And that is in the southern central part of Africa. We're about the size of Texas, about 14 million people there. And Zambia does declare itself a a Christian nation. That said, there's a lot of misconception what that means. And basically, when you look at statistics, if you're not Muslim, you're considered Christian. So there's a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses and a lot of other beliefs out there that kind of come under that umbrella. So there's still plenty of work to be done in Zambia. Um, You'll see in the next slide, we share Victoria Falls, just to give you a little landmark, with Zimbabwe. But before I go any further, I do have a video I brought for you to take a peek at. It's going to give you a bird's eye view of what life is like in Zambia. But also, if you listen closely, the narrator is going to share ways that you can be praying for the nation itself. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are most grateful for the people of Zambia. We know that it is by your will that they live there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we commit them into your hands and ask that all that they do shall be pleasing unto you. Though they may be a nation that is widely populated with Christians, Father Lord, we pray for an increase in Christianity in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we pray that whatsoever be the form of poverty, O God, you shall alleviate them from it in the name of Jesus. If there be any diseases in that land, Father, Lord, God, we drive them away by your healing power. Father, there is nothing they can do without you, O God, so we pray for your love, that your love shall reign in their hearts. It shall reign everywhere they are. Father, Lord, let them see and realize your love for them. We pray, committing all leaders in your care, asking you to direct them by the power of the Holy Ghost. We pray, asking that you shall let them stand firm in your word. 
we pray for all subjects too, that they shall be under your leadership as sheep, O God. We pray that you, God, shall continuously guide and protect them in all they are doing. We pray for peace, understanding. We pray also for a vision, a vision that is from you and only you. We ask that all that they do shall be pleasing unto your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Zambia, we face a lot of challenges. Uh, one of them is the poverty issue. We have a population, two-thirds of which, live on less than a dollar a day. We also have a huge issue with HIV. They're saying about seven or 13% of our population is HIV positive. I would say that's a very low statistic from what I'm seeing in the local clinics. Um, also, we are, have a huge lack of medical access with only one doctor for every 10 to 12,000 individuals. So if you can only imagine HIV, malaria is also one of our top killers. And then just the regular stuff you and I face here in Zambia, or in America, where am I? Zambia. Um, and with lack of medical access, we're losing a lot of lives, and that's including our mamas and our papas. So we're seeing a big growth in our orphan population group. And just to compound on all those things, we have the issue of traditional beliefs in witchcraft. But as you see in the next slide... God is doing amazing things through his people there in Zambia, and there is great beauty there, and you will find it in the people themselves. They're the most loving individuals you'll encounter, very open, wanting to be your friend instantly. And what's so wonderful about that, they're very open to hear what you have to share about our Lord Jesus. So it's been a real privilege to work alongside our national church in different ways to reach both the physical and the spiritual needs in Zambia. I, didn't, I failed to share with you, I'm actually a family nurse practitioner by trade, I received my call to missions and nursing school. So the Lord's allowing me to use my skills as a family nurse practitioner in these ways. And one of them is community health evangelism. And basically, this is a developmental program that teaches disease prevention, health promotion, but also how to present Christ. The really cool thing, as you'll see in the next slide, is we are training up individuals within churches and communities themselves to go out into their communities and teach these lessons on how to stay healthy, but also to bring in discipleship lessons as well as their testimonies. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more wonderful than watching God mobilize his people. The light bulbs go off and they realize, you know, I have a testimony, I have giftings, I have talents, and God wants to use me. And watch people run with that and watch God use them. There's nothing more rewarding. As you'll uh, as they proceed through the next couple slides, this is a group that graduated from Mongoli uh, training uh, last year. And there are, just a side tip, there's five languages represented in that one picture. So it <laughs> gives you an idea how things are like over there. But they all get their own Bible when they go through graduation. And they are sent two by two into their communities. And as they proceed to the next slide, I'm here to tell you, when I saw you four or five years ago, we had about seven to nine programs running in Zambia. And this is just a praise report of what God can do. We are over 50 programs now throughout Zambia. 
and we're going into Malawi and Zimbabwe as well. So that is what God is doing with our brothers and sisters. They're taking hold of this. They realize that they have the potential to be used by God, and they're running with it. And God is just doing some amazing things. You can go to the next slide. We actually use picture booklets, so they don't even have to know how to read and write. They just use the picture booklets to remember the lessons, and they memorize all the scriptures with those. And we're seeing many people come to the Lord. We have planted two churches as a result of this program and just continue to look forward to what God has over the next years with our CHE workers. These are all volunteers. They volunteer their time. So keep them in your prayers because they sacrifice a lot to do what God's called them to do. As they proceed to the next slide, I wanted to share this real quick with you. Last term, we received some funding to do a feeding program uh, out of Cry Africa. And they asked us to target those with HIV. So what we did, we used our community program, identified those people within those communities that were HIV positive, on treatment, but also showed signs of malnutrition. The reason being is even if you're getting treatment, if you don't have the proper nutrition basis to su- support the body systems, your body doesn't process those medications properly. So that's why we targeted that group. And I have a little testimony. I want you to meet Rosie in the next slide. Rosie was three years old when I met her. She lives in Choma. And the biggest issue with, Ch- with uh, Rosie was at age three, she still was not walking. She hadn't developed in that area, and she didn't have the stamina to withhold herself. And you could see the malnutrition is obvious in her hair. She had puffy skin. That's all signs of protein malnutrition. So we put her on a soy-based mealy meal diet for six months and supplemented her little diet. And I'm here to tell you, after six months, I went back into that community, and little Rosie literally ran across the courtyard and jumped into my arms. <laughs> and that is just an example, something very simple, what God can do through that. One thing we also reiterate with the feeding program is sustainability. And you'll see in the next slide, we don't want our brothers and sisters dependent on outside resources. We want them to identify the things that God has put there for them to use. So with the feeding program, we identified the moringa tree, which is actually a tree that has lots of nutrition in its leaves, high in vitamins, minerals, but even a source of protein. So alongside of this feeding program, we taught them how to plant these trees. We provided some trees for them and how to harvest those. And all they have to do is harvest the little leaves, crush it in a fine powder, and just sprinkle it over the regular diet, and it just boosts the nutritional status of that diet. So just a quick example of how we're helping them identify those resources that are right there on the ground. Um, Also, as you'll see in the next couple slides, the Lord is allowing me to use my skills in the local clinics. This is Bethel. Located about 50 kilometers north of the city, and you'll see our wonderful staff in the next picture. Mr. Mutali has a passion for God. This is a private clinic, but he sees his clinic as a ministry. And we open the doors every morning in prayer. We close it down in prayer, and we pray at lunch and as the Lord leads throughout the day. And I'm here to tell you there are times when I don't have the medications I'd like to give a patient, but our patients still come back fully restored. And I believe that is the hand of God on that place and what he's doing through the work there. Just a quick testimony. She shows you one more picture from uh, the clinic. Is uh, many a times because of my background here in the states, I worked in cardiology for seven years and then in cardiothoracic surgery at the Cleveland Clinic for a few years as well. I get a lot of consults for heart issues. <laughs> I'll come in on a Friday and they're all lined up for me to see with heart issues. So I went in on a Friday, and Hezron said, Christine, I have this guy for you to see. And I said, great. I grabbed my stethoscope. I went into the room. I said, okay, what is he here for? He said, Christine, he's come for prayer. 
He didn't have a physical ailment. He had something going on in his life, but he knew he could come to the clinic of all places to get prayer. And I think that speaks volumes for what God is doing through that little place. Amen. So, yeah, keep us in prayer. Hezron's actually building a second clinic, so I'm very excited. It's in a great location with some great needs, and I look forward to see what God's going to do there. Um, I can't remember what's in the next slide. Ah, being stretched. I'll share a little more about this in in the message this morning. But, you know, anytime you're on the journey with the Lord, he loves to stretch us and use us in ways we never imagined. And for me, it's been in delivering the word and teaching at the Bible school. So the Lord has been opening opportunities for that um, over this last term, and I'm sure he'll continue to do that over next term. And then as she goes to the next couple slides, I want to share this final a project that's new for next term. Uh, we received a mobile clinic. I got an email a few years back saying, Christine, we have this truck we'd like to send you for free. <laughs> and I said, wow, that's pretty awesome. And I said, but you know what? I don't have vision for it. It doesn't line up with what we're doing in Zambia, so I'm going to say no. Can you believe I said no? Yeah. But I, I, would any time I dive into something, I want to be sure God's all over it. Well, he made that known. Because within months, I started getting phone calls and emails from people who want to send me all this money for a project I did not have. <laughs> and so I began to realize that God was orchestrating something, and I needed to get out of the way. So I called back four months after I said no to this. I called back. I said, hey, is that mobile clinic still available? And they're like, yeah, Chris, we really feel it's supposed to come to Zambia. We were just waiting to hear from you. <laughs> so, you know, I love God. That's so patient with us. <laughs> so sure enough, we brought it in. And after much prayer, the Lord began to guide us on how it's to be used. I was having a meeting with the Ministry of Health about the community program. And I looked at the doctor at the meeting. I said, Dr. Mary, what would you do with a mobile clinic? And she said, cervical cancer screenings. We have one of the highest mortality rates in the entire world for cervical cancer. And it's because of HIV, HPV viruses running alongside each other, but also the lack of medical screening. So I had a leap in my spirit. And once again, I love how God confirms what he's trying to do. Had dinner with some friends from the embassy two weeks later, both physicians told Jim about this little truck, and he looks at me, and he goes, Christine, have you thought about cervical cancer screenings? Isn't God good? (laughs) So guess what we're doing? (laughs) We'll be doing cervical cancer screenings. Uh, We're going to be in partnership with a Dr. Param out of the University of Zambia. He's actually a graduate from the University of Alabama, American, and has a passion for cervical cancer screenings. He has started programs in the district hospitals, but he's really excited about getting this thing off the ground and helping us get it mobilized. And we'll have a consulting basis for those who show extensive um, cervical cancer, but if it's early cancer, I'll be able to treat it right on the spot. So honestly, this was never in my radar. (laughs) I never had a desire to do anything like this but God has brought it together, so that makes me so excited because his hand's been all over it. And uh, what we're hoping to do is as we go into communities, we'll be partnering with our local church in the local clinic, and we'll be having ministry during the week, but then on the weekends have a huge women's conference for all the ladies in that area so we can minister to them on a spiritual level. So if you want to keep up with all of this, you can do that, as you'll see in the next slide on Facebook. If you want to be my friend, I'll be happy to bring you on to the Facebook team there. Christine in Zambia. And then also we have a directory with the Assemblies of God. You can just type my last name in there and it'll bring you up to that page. That's where I post all my newsletters and such. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of all this. 
I couldn't be there doing this without you guys. And uh, I thank God for your partnership in it. And uh, just look forward to continue to update you as God continues to unfold his plans for this coming term. Amen. Well, with the remainder of my time this morning, I really feel God has been preparing us all morning through worship for what the word he has put on my heart for you. And I pray as I share that you'll open your hearts to hear what he has to say, be willing to be challenged, and just embrace the things that the Lord has for you this morning. Amen. About two months before I came home from the field, I was having my devotional time. I like to do that on my patio. We have beautiful weather in Zambia. Always sunny. <laughs> I'm missing the sun this year. <laughs> but in the midst of that quiet time, I really felt the Lord speak to my heart. And he said, Christine, do you trust me? And I remember responding to him like this. Well, Lord, of course I trust you. I'm a single woman in the middle of Africa. <laughs> but then I heard that still small voice one more time. Christine, do you really trust me? And I began to realize that God was challenging my faith. He was challenging me, will I trust him when I don't understand the things going on around me? Am I going to trust him to step out of my comfort zone? Am I going to trust him when I have to face giants in my life? Am I going to trust him when I can't see him at work behind the scenes? And he took me back to Hebrews 11. And we're going to go there today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11. Uh, of course, we won't read through the whole passage because it's quite lengthy, but I want to pull out just a couple stories about Abraham and Moses. And actually, this is the passage the Lord took me to initially to get me to step out of the boat and pursue missions um, a while back. But we're going to look at the life of Abraham and Moses real quickly. And we're going to start in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8. And the scripture reads this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he, let re he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations and whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And then let's hop over to verse 24 real quick. Hebrews 11 verse 24 reads this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. If you were to read through this passage, you would see story after story after story of great men and women of God who persevered against all kinds of circumstances, impossible situations, but still persevered in chasing after God and the things he had for them. 
if you were to look back in the first couple verses of this chapter, the author reminds us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And if you were to cruise through this passage and really pick out what faith can accomplish, you would see it's by faith that we believe in spiritual realities. It's by faith that leads us to righteousness. And it's by faith that we're able to seek after God and believe in all his goodness. And it's by faith that we have confidence in his word and we keep his commandments. It's by faith we regulate our lives around his promises and not around the things around us, yeah? It's by faith that we're able to reject the things of this world and seek after the things of God. And it's by faith we look forward to a heavenly home, amen? And it's also by faith that we are able to endure persecution and perform mighty acts of righteousness. You see, faith is firmly believing and trusting in the promises that God gives us in his word. And that's including trusting and believing in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have a personal relationship with God, you've already made that first step of faith. When we recognize that sin separates us from God, but that God provided the precious gift of our Lord Jesus Christ to take on our sin so that we can have eternal relationship with him and we receive him as our personal savior and we build our relationship around him, you've taken that first step of faith. But you see, your journey of faith does not stop there because God sees the potential in you. He sees the plans he has for you and he wants you to grow in him, learn to depend on him and move forward in everything he has for you to do. So he takes us on a journey of faith. And there are many seasons we go through where God really tests that faith. And we have to learn to trust him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to talk about three separate areas that I've experienced in my life. And I know you all will relate to these. But we're going to look at how God uses those seasons to build our faith and allow us to grow in him. Amen. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. The first testing that you might encounter is that time when God comes along and he says, I want you to step out of your comfort zone. Do you guys know what I mean by comfort zones? That's that place where you feel very secure and safe. You know you can succeed because you have the giftings, you have the education, everything's going very well in that place. It feels pretty good. Sometimes it's those relationships you've built around you. It's a happy place. And then God says, you know what? I'm going to stretch you a little bit. I'm going to ask you to step out of that comfort zone and go over here. He's asking us to step away from those things and go into a a new area, an unknown area. Both Moses and Abraham got out of their comfort zones, did they not? They left what they knew. They left the land they were familiar with and went into the unknown. And boy, Moses stepped away from a lot. He could have lived the high life off the riches of Egypt. But he had a call in his life, and he chose to pursue God instead. For you, it might be starting a new job. Maybe it's a new ministry within this church or beyond these walls. Maybe it's a new relationship he's asking you to build. Maybe it's a new area of education he's asking you to pursue. Whatever that thing is, it takes you out of your comfort zone. And he says, but no, I have plans for you. 
I want you to go on this journey with me. I have found the number one thing that holds people back for pursuing the things that God calls them to do is fear. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of what people will think. Sometimes we're afraid that maybe we didn't hear from God. Well, I think you've heard through my testimony. God has a way of confirming what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Some of you say, well, I'm not worthy to do what God's asked me to do. Well, guess what? You're in good company. None of us are. Amen? It's only by his grace we have a wonderful opportunity to do the things he calls us to do. Some of you may say, well, I'm not equipped. Well, I'm here to tell you, God equips those he calls. I like to use this one a lot. But God, they're better equipped. (laughs) And he answers, but no, I've asked you to do this, not them. It can be intimidating. You can have thoughts, man, I can't do that. But you know what? That's exactly where God wants you. Because he wants you to depend on him. He wants you to get out of the boat and get out of your comfort zone and pursue the things he's asked you to do. You're not alone when you have these thoughts. When we look back at these scriptures, man, these wonderful men of God, they had their hesitancies, did they not? Moses, when he was called to speak to Pharaoh, said, Lord, I'm not eloquent in speech. I'm slow in tongue. But God sent him a helper, did he not? Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the great nations. And he said, Sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But I want you to listen to the Lord's response to him. The Lord said back to him, Do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And then he says this, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. I'll never forget the first time I was asked to preach in Zambia. I arrived there in 2006 as a missionary associate. Never been through Bible school, but I had a skill that the missionaries could use in nursing. So I got there all gung-ho. I'm here to do medical missions. And within two months, Chizingwa Daka walks up to me and says, Christine, I want you to come and preach at my church. And I looked at Chizingwa and I said, Chizingwa, you do realize I'm a nurse, right? (laughs) He said, yes. I said, I have never been through Bible school. That's fine. I have never done this before. No problem. We were literally arguing. But I'm here to tell you, in the midst of that arguing, the Lord reminded me of a dream I had 10 years prior. I had not thought of that dream in those 10 years. It's documented in a little journal and stored somewhere. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit brought it to my recollection. And in that dream, I was preaching to a church full of dark-skinned people. And I remember looking at Chizingwa going, I think I'm supposed to do this. And he said, great, you can come next Sunday. <laughs> I think I finally convinced him to give me a little more time to prepare. But my friends, I was petrified. I knew the responsibility of sharing God's word. I'd never done anything like this before in my life. And where did it take me? To my knees. Exactly where God wanted me. And I remember praying, God, please help me do this. I've never done this before. But you know, just as we sang this morning, our God is faithful. And he brought together this sweet little message on a servant's heart. It was perfect for what that church needed right at that moment. And to watch God use a very ordinary vessel to do an extraordinary thing 
there's nothing like it. And you know what? When we were done, I was like, Lord, that was so cool. When can we do that again? (laughs) And sure enough, he began to open those doors. And honestly, that's what led me to go back to Bible school and pursue my license as a minister as well. Let me promise you, if you step out in faith with God, he won't leave you hanging. He goes with us. He will guide you. He will support you. And he won't let you drown. Just one more bit of an encouragement from the scripture. Remember when Peter walked on the water? Talk about a step of faith. Jesus is walking in the midst of the storm on the water, and he says, Peter, come here. And Peter was brave enough to take that first step, and he started heading for Jesus. But what happened along the way? He got a little distracted, yeah? He started looking at his circumstances and his environment and what was going on around him, the big storm. And he began to sink a little bit, but he quickly cried out to Christ. And what's the first thing that Jesus did? He reached down and he grabbed him. And together they went back to that boat. God will not let you drown. If you're willing to step out with him, he will carry you. And we don't even have to be perfect, eh? (laughs) It may not be a graceful journey, but as long as you just follow him and chase after the things he's asked you to do, he will be there with you. Amen? The second area I want to talk about this morning are those wilderness periods in our life. Anybody ever been in a dry place in your walk? You know those times when you're praying to the Lord and you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and falling into your lap? (laughs) Or those times when you're looking around around you and you're like, where are you, Lord? Don't you see what's going on here? (laughs) I have found those are the most invaluable seasons in our lives. Those are the times when God is asking me, do you trust me when you can't see me? Do you trust his word when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you trust that he is a sovereign God and he sees all things when we can't? The Israelites, when they headed to Egypt, I'm sorry, out of Egypt to the promised land, they went through a wilderness period too, did they not? Round and round in that wilderness. But you know what? If you look closely at that scenario, this was a generation of Israelites that were born into slavery, born into Egyptian ways. A lot of them had taken up those ways. And God put them through this season where he could purge out those things and raise up a generation that learned to depend on him on everything and a generation that was equipped and ready to pursue and grasp the promise that God had for them. These are invaluable seasons. These are the times when we go through trials, We go through delays. We go through setbacks, sometimes disappointments. But God is asking you to trust him and allow him to work inside you and walk you through that journey. And I promise you, when you come out on the other side, you'll be stronger than you were when you went in. And you'll be ready to move forward in everything the Lord has for you. Joseph was called to be ruler of Egypt, spent years honing his leaderships in a prison. David was called to be king. He, too, was hiding in caves for many years, learning leadership skills as he led a little band of brothers behind him. 
and valuable seasons of preparation, endurance, and faith. When I got through um, my training as a family nurse practitioner, I remember I was so excited. I was like, Lord, I have my training. I have the passion. Let's hit the mission field. And that's when he sent me to Cleveland. (laughs) And you know what? It didn't make any sense to me. It had nothing to do with family practice. It was cardiothoracic surgery. It had nothing to do with missions, though I thought. But you know, they were the most invaluable three years of preparation I could have encountered. Learning leadership skills. Learning to persevere, because I was piloting a new program that never been done before, and it wasn't very popular. But I got to watch God bless it. I learned to be a God pleaser and not a people pleaser. I still have to work on that one once in a while. (laughs) But invaluable season. But, you know, I loved my job there. It was very challenging, but there were some really tough days. And I'll never forget one afternoon, I was sitting at my little cubicle at my desk at the end of the day with just tears strolling down my face. And I said, Lord, can this season end already? And he took me to James. James 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. Invaluable seasons of preparation. I came across this quote not too long ago, and I think this summarizes it very well. It says, God never uses someone greatly until he has tested them deeply. And I think that's true as we look through the scriptures. All these great men of God, they had their testing, did they not? Times of building their faith. Be encouraged. They do come to you, and God will refresh you. And like I said before, you'll be stronger than you ever were before. Amen? Finally, the last season I want to talk about are those times in our lives when we face giants. Anybody faced a giant before? The Israelites certainly did. They sent those spies to the promised land, and they came back. Man, the land looks fabulous. Lots of milk, lots of honey. But we got this one problem. There's these monsters of men in there. We look like grasshoppers. And they began to doubt. But you know what? There was a couple faithful individuals in that group of spies who didn't forget their God. They didn't forget who he was and what he had already brought them through. They remembered that Red Sea. They remembered the manna that was provided for them. They remembered all the times that God intervened for them. And when it came to facing these giants, they knew that God could take them down. Amen? In our lives, they usually... Our giants aren't usually in form of giant men, per se. But they come in forms of lack of resources, immovable systems, opposing individuals or groups, and sometimes a crushing physical or spiritual burden. And these are the times where the circumstances are simply beyond us. But you know what? These are the times when we drop to our knees and pray once again. These are the times that all we can do is let it go and let God be God. And these are also the times when God shines the brightest. These are the times that God reveals his awesomeness. And he intervenes in ways that when we look back, we can say, look what God did. (laughs) And boy, do those times build our faith. 
In the Old Testament, when God intervened for the Israelites, many a times you'll see this passage after that intervention. He says, Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out. Yet another challenge of our faith, remembering who our God is. I have faced several challenges and giants in my life, but I want to share a testimony I shared in Sunday school this morning. Before I went back to the field uh, this last term, uh, during my time with different churches, people would um, groups would pray with me, and there was a couple times where Lord would bring a, a word of prophecy that God was going to use me in the area of spiritual warfare, in, in, uh, particularly in the area of demonic forces and deliverances. And I remember thinking, Lord, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> That is intense stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't totally push it away, but, you know, I, what I did was I said, you know, God, this is a word for the future, I'm sure. Maybe 10 years down the road when I have some experience. I'm a brand-new missionary. This is my first term fully appointed. And, boy, there are some missionaries out there who have been doing this stuff a long time, not to mention the pastors in Zambia. They deal with this stuff routinely. And so I took that word, I had it written on a piece of paper, and I tucked it in my Bible and took it to Zambia with me. Well, I'm here to tell you, I was back in Zambia for a whole two weeks before God decided to test my faith. (laughs) My second Sunday back in Zambia, we were doing a Holy Spirit conference, a wonderful conference where we teach on the Holy Spirit all weekend, and then we have a chance for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Sunday. And um, it was a powerful time that morning. I remember I could sense God's love so greatly. It was just so heavy in that place, just his love just enveloping us. And God was moving in a mighty way. People were getting baptized in their seats before they even came forward for prayer. It was just a powerful time. And I remember Archie leaning over to me and says, Christine, do you mind helping us at the altar call, praying for people to receive the baptism? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm comfortable with that. I can do that. So sure enough, we had the altar call, and people came forward. And I went up to this little lady, so sweet and petite, just standing like this. And I went up to her, and I put my hands on her, and I began to pray. And within moments, she started to manifest this demon. (laughs) And then I had the audacity of mentioning the name of Jesus. (laughs) That was the wrong thing to do in that moment. Her hands went over her ears, her face contorted, and she started snarling and screaming, no, 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 no. And I remember looking at her in that moment going, oh, dear Lord, you said this would happen. And here we are. But you know, in a split second, I remembered who my God was. I said, Lord, you told me this was going to happen. Now help me. Show me what to do. I have a tendency to have, you know, the big mercy heart, most nurses do, (laughs) the gentle mercy heart. Well, I'm here to tell you that morning when God equipped me, this prayer warrior rose up out of nowhere. I felt a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit that morning in a sense of authority that I have never felt before. And in that moment, I remember reaching up and grabbing the hands off her ears, and I began to speak to that thing. You do not belong here. This one belongs to God. And you can't have her. So in the name of Jesus, you get out of here. 
And within moments, that contorted face relaxed. Tears began to flow. She fell to her knees, and her hands were in the air, and she was proclaiming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what it's all about, folks. I can look back at that moment and say, look what God did. Talk about building your faith. I'll never forget that, that transformation that occurred right in front of me. She received Jesus that day and and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God is so good. And you know what? I'm nothing special. I'm just like you, friends, just an ordinary vessel who loves her Jesus, who loves her God, but who's also willing to step out in faith. And that is what he's asking of you as well. He wants to use you in a mighty way. It's going to look different for each of us because he's given us different skills and talents. He's got different plans. But it all points people to him. That's what it's all about. And our world so desperately needs him. Amen? They need to see Jesus inside of us. They need to see a church to rise up and understand who they are in God as children and never forget who their God is and be willing to step boldly and march forth in everything he's called us to do. Facing giants, walking through wilderness periods, and stepping out of our comfort zone. That is what he's asking us to do this morning. Amen? When you read through these passages... I know for me, I was like, Lord, how do these guys manage? How do they continue to press forward against such amazing obstacles? And in summary this morning, let's just turn to Hebrews 12 as we wrap up here. The author makes it nice and clear for us. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. That's number one. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Number two, listen to this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you do not grow weary or lose heart. You know, we have a lot of changes going on around us. We just need to keep our eyes on him. Let him work in us and let him shine through us. Amen. Let me just leave you with a couple verses of encouragement. Matthew 6.33 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The scripture also reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Psalms 55:22 says give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will never let the godly slip and fall. Psalms 9:10 says those who know your name trust in you, O Lord, for you have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. Romans 9:33 reminds us the one who trusts in him shall never be put ashamed. And Psalms 3 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. 
And one final quote from Oswald Chambers. This is my favorite. Oswald says this, Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and it knows the one who's doing the leading. Amen.